Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you today. Good to be back with you this Sunday morning. As you know, our family dynamic has changed just slightly since I was with you a few Sundays ago. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in just a moment. But I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 21. How many of you enjoy pictures? How many of you enjoy pictures? Family pictures? You know, I'm of the generation where I grew up. I grew up with a lot of pictures in my house. You know, um, pictures hanging on the wall. Grew up with grandparents who had pictures hanging everywhere and different things. But now you get to my generation, and where do most of my generation's pictures reside? On your phone. On your phone. And, and there are there are a number of different pictures on this phone. What I love, what I love is when my kids get my phone and they start taking selfies of themselves. And they really don't know what they look up, but I'm on my phone looking for something, and then there's like 500 pictures of just, you know, Collins going, or Vance going. They're on there, and I don't delete them, because I know one of these days I'm going to need to be reminded why I love my kids. That's what people tell me, that when they become teenagers, I need a reminder of why I love my kids. So I'm keeping those for those moments. So all of our pictures are on on our phones, but... When Britain turned a year old, we had pictures taken, and that was, oh, I hope I don't knock that over. So we had pictures taken. Now, isn't that just the most wonderful picture in the world? Everybody look at it and go, aww, because I know that's what you want to do, because my kids are the prettiest. If you don't believe me, the picture will tell you as much. But I want you to look at that picture for just a moment. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to talk for a minute. So, in life, we like to paint pictures of what we think our life is going to be like, correct? Um, when you, uh, how many of you, when you graduated high school, your high schools did like senior prophecies? Where they wrote about what would happen in your life down the road? It's funny, I went back and read my senior prophecy. It's on our uh, class Facebook page. And it was pretty close, except for the girl that I was going to marry. Everything else pretty well lined out. I had made up in my mind early in life that I was going to be a preacher. There, there are pictures of me as a kid, um, like a little bitty kid preaching. There are videos of me as a little kid preaching. That's all I've ever, ever, ever wanted to do is to be a preacher. And I, and I painted that picture for myself and my life. And there have been different ways and times that that's looked a little bit different. But we all have the, the habit in our life of painting our picture to what we think it's going to look like. We have this idea of this is life. And if you look at the picture down here of my kids um, from, I guess it's a year and a half ago or so now, that was the picture. That was it. It was going to be me and Blair and those three beautiful children. We were going to be a family of five. It was going to be wonderful. Five's not too big, you know. You can still kind of 
They don't always sit you in the back corner of a restaurant when you show up with five kids. Sometimes you get to sit in the regular part of the restaurant with the normal people. You know, you can still fit in a booth to some degree with a high chair, you know. Um, but that was it. That was the picture that we had painted and we were so happy with it and we loved it and we were excited about continuing our life together and then God said, I don't think so. God says, you need another one. And I'm like... I don't, I don't think we do, God. But it was too late. His will had already been accomplished. And now all of a sudden, this picture that we've painted in our life looks completely different than we thought it was ever going to. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you have that picture of your life painted and it's so beautiful and it's so wonderful and you're so excited about living in that direction and living that life and then something happens and it's like someone grabs a big piece of black paint, a big black paintbrush and they just do this all over your picture and it's nothing of what you thought it was going to be. Well, see, as you look in your Bibles in the book of Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, you see a moment in the life of Joseph where... He had his picture painted. Let's look at his picture for just a moment. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. There's the picture right there. Here is Mary and here is Joseph and they are young and they are in love. And as my wife says, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. I'm really not. And I've shared this with her, but you don't have to share it with her again that I disagree with her on this. Since she's not here this morning, I can do that. She says those times of that, that, that moment of engagement is the happiest you'll ever be with each other. Now, like I said, I'm not sure how I feel about that statement, but it's young love. Everything's new. Everything's You're planning. You've got that blank canvas. Joseph and Mary had their blank canvas, their engagement canvas, and they're beginning to paint their life together. Joseph may be building a new home for them or preparing a new home. Mary's thinking about all the things she's going to do in this home. They have this wonderful wedding shower and they get all these gifts that, that they have no idea what they're going to do with, but yet they're going to have fun with them anyway. You know, we got at our wedding shower in McMinnville, I really appreciated it. But we got five electric skillets at that shower. Five electric skillets. We took four of them back. And then that, the one we kept broke in two weeks. And I'm like, well, we should have kept one. But they're painting this picture. And their life is in front of them. And they've got so many things that they can do. So many new adventures that are before them. And, and they're painting the perfect picture. And then what happens in the rest of verse 18? But before they came together, adults, I want you to follow me here because we're not going to cause any problems with our kids today, okay? Before they came together, she found to be pregnant. Let's stop right there for a second. Let's not read the next part. Let's just stop right there for a second. They had not come together yet. Mary is a virgin and is known as a virgin. She knows that about herself. Joseph supposedly knows that about herself. And now all of a sudden, there's this beautiful canvas being painted the way they want it to. And now she's got to sit down with Joseph and have a conversation and say what? I'm pregnant. How do you think Joseph felt 
Just, just put yourself in Joseph's shoes for just a minute. I don't think he felt like someone took a black paintbrush and marked all over his canvas. I think he felt like someone took his canvas and just shattered it in front of him. Because even though the next part of the verse says that it's through the Holy Spirit, do you think he believed that at first? Do you think you believe that at first? That had never been done before. That's unheard of. How in the world am I going to believe that? Yeah, right. God did this to you. Okay. So as you go on through the rest of the story, what does it say? He doesn't believe her story at all. To the point that he's going to what? He's going to break it off. I'm done with it. I'm going to do it in a respectful way. I'm going to do it in a nice way. We're not going to make a big fuss of it. But you know what? I'm through with you. I'm taking my picture and I'm going somewhere else. We have moments in life. We have moments in life where we have everything figured out. Everything going the direction that we think it's going to go. It looks wonderful and beautiful and it's perfect. And sometimes, sometimes, God likes to come in and get in the middle of that comfortable place we are in life and say, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to do something different with you. I'm going to throw something in your life that you're not expecting because God doesn't like comfortable. God likes growth. God likes for us to stretch and likes for us to become more than we are today. He likes for us to be renewed. He likes for us to be reborn. He likes these things, these words that we read through Scripture that has nothing to do with staying in our same little comfortable spot and just singing those same ten songs over and over again. So the question is, when those moments come, when God comes into our life and says, I'm going to do something different. I know you're comfortable right here. I know you're enjoying life right here. But I'm going to do something different with you. And it's going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to completely understand it at first. How do we deal with those moments when our picture is no longer perfect? When it's not how I want it to be? Well, let's talk about a few things. Let's go with this first idea here. Number one. Remember who created you and why you were created. Remember who created you and why you were created. If you want to leave your marker in Matthew, you can. But go back to the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And if you don't have this underlined, I want you to underline this because it's why or why or how you were created. Then God said, He's talking to the Godhead, to, 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 to the three in one. He says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the lobstock and over the wild animals. We'll stop right there, but the point that I want you to underline, I want you to remember, is we are made in whose image? God's. We're made in God's image. God looks at the Son and the Holy Spirit and says, if we're going to do this, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to create something that looks like us. He's going to look like us. He's going to have our characteristics. He's going to have a sense of our divinity. He's going to, to be special like us. And 
I think being created in God's image means a lot of different things. That's not for today's lesson. We're going to get there. But just understand this. You are made in the image of the everlasting God. Can you say amen to that this morning? We live in a society that's all about being just be who you are. Make yourself happy. You know, have the best life that you can have. And this and that. But I want you to understand that God says what's most important about you and what's most special about you is we are all created like God. And we need to remember that. That when difficult times come, remember who created us and that He created us in a very specific way. And He created us in that specific way. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2 because He has a very specific purpose for us in our life. Not, it's not just that we're created like God. It's he created us in this certain way so that we can do certain things in our life as well. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who was now at work and those who were disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying and craving our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature's deserving of wrath. I want you to stop right there. That's what it looks like when we paint our own picture, okay? When we take our desires and our wants and the things that we think make us happy and we begin to paint our picture in life, we get chapter 2 of Ephesians Verses 1, 2, and 3. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires. Okay, But, verse 4, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. This is already a better picture, isn't it? Verse 7, In order that in the coming age He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, For we are God's handiwork. One translation says we are His masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only did God create us in His image, God created us to accomplish something. God created us he made us in such a way and gave us gifts and abilities and talents so that we would have a purpose in this life. One of the greatest stories of purpose and not understanding His purpose to me is, is the story of Moses. Moses is raised as an Egyptian prince given the greatest education the world had to offer. And as he stands back and watches his people suffer through slavery, he decided one day, it is my job, it is my place to, to make a difference in the life of my people. 
And I truly believe that's what God wanted him to do. God put him in that situation so that he could be trained and brought up to lead his people out of slavery. But he decided to do it one day in a way that was not really effective. He decided to do it by painting his own picture. And what does he end up doing to an Egyptian guard as he beats one of his Hebrew brothers one day? He ends up what? Killing him. That's not the picture painted by God at all. And so he ends up, he gets found out that this happens, so he disappears and he runs away. Where does he end up? For 40 years by himself, he ends up being a shepherd in the middle of the what? In the middle of the desert. How ironic is that? God has prepared, is preparing him to do great things by sending him to shepherd school. He's learning to paint like God. And then God comes to him after 40 years. And even though he's a little hesitant, he has a better understanding of the purpose that God has created him for. And he ends up leading him back to Egypt. And he, <coughs> excuse me, and he helps lead the people of Israel from bondage. Understand that you are created by a great God to, to reflect his, his image and that he has created you to accomplish great things according to His will and His purpose. And when we remember that, our pictures begin to look more and more the way that God wants them to. Here's another thing, though, that we can remember as life gets difficult and our views on things change and things happen, is we need to get a proper perspective. Go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus has just got through feeding a multitude of people in a very miraculous way. And these people are excited. They are thrilled that he has done this. I just have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'll get there in just a second. It's hard to talk and find Bible books at the same time. John, and so he has done this great, great miracle. And something very interesting is going to happen at the end of the story. Starting in verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. Jesus had just accomplished an amazing thing. Feeding 5,000 plus people with a Lunchable. Okay? 5,000 plus people with a Lunchable. And, and these people are so excited, they're going to come to Jesus, and what are they going to do to Him? By force, they're going to make Him what? Their King. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus says, this is not what I want. This is not the picture that needs to be painted. So He pulls Himself away. And I wonder, because Jesus is a man just like us and was tempted just like us, yet overcame those things, which is why we can approach His throne with confidence because He understands those things. It makes me think that maybe there is a part of Him that would have enjoyed becoming King. That's the man's side, right? That's the wanting to paint your own picture. But instead, he pulled away and got a proper perspective. Jesus was so good at that. Was so good at pulling away, backing off, going to a place by himself, and talking to God. And getting his perspective back focused where it needed to be focused. Listen, I have, I truly believe that we are growing up in one of the fastest paced societies that has ever existed. We are busy even when we're not busy. And it's tiring. And it's exhausting. But we think we have to keep on going and keep up and, and do all these things. 
when there are times in our life when things begin to change and get difficult for us that we really just need to stop. We need to be still and know that He is God and get that perspective. Spend time in prayer seeking God's will, seeking God's guidance, opening up His Word and listening to the answers of those prayers from the Word of God. We have to stop and we have to get a proper perspective in life. We're running out of time, so I'll move quickly here so we can finish up. The last thing that I want you to hear this morning is we need to make life about serving others, not just about ourselves. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Make life about others, not just about ourselves. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is fixing to go into a thought here about being like Christ, okay? And he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any compassion sharing in the Spirit, if any tendencies and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one Spirit and of one mind. Now listen to this, verse 3, you might want to underline this. Do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, let's talk about it in modern day terms. Don't live a selfie life. Don't live a selfie life. For those of you that don't know what a selfie is, it's just a picture of you. I was at Chick-fil-A in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And there was this girl sitting two tables away from me. I was watching the kids in the play place. And she had her Chick-fil-A sandwich in her hand. and had her head tilted and was taking pictures of her with her Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know what I'm worried about at Chick-fil-A when a sandwich is in my hand? Eating it. I'm not worried about a picture, but that's the world we live in. The selfie generation. Listen to what he says. He uses two words to describe the attitudes we're not to have. Do nothing out of selfishness or vainness. Now, this is a beautiful picture up here. But what makes this picture so beautiful? Is it because it's just of the face of Collins? Is that what makes this picture beautiful? The only person in this room that thinks that's going to be Collins, right? It's beautiful because it's a wide shot. It's a wide angle. You get more than just one face. You get the beauty of all of my children and, and the creation around them. That's what he says here. He says, look, do nothing, don't, don't live a selfie life. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. When, when our picture begins to change, we don't understand it. I think what Paul tells us, it says, don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about yourself. Worry about others. You know what I've learned in my ministry? I've learned that there are days, and Tyler, tell me if this has happened to you. You, you make it a point to go visit someone. And you're going to go visit them to encourage them. But how often do you walk out of that house more encouraged than that individual you went to encourage. Anybody else have those type of moments? Because when you put others above yourself, when you invest in other people, and you make it not about you, but about them, God has a way of, of just making your heart feel so encouraged and understanding what's going on. So when things are difficult, maybe they're difficult because you're too focused on yourself and you're not focusing on enough other people. 
So get a proper perspective. Make life about others. Don't live a selfie life, but live a portrait life instead. Now, the last eight months have been challenging for our family. We, we've had this beautiful picture of our family, which was perfect in so many ways. Perfect in so many ways. And that's no longer... That's no longer the picture of our family anymore. But Blair and I were laying in bed two nights ago. And we're, we're, we're playing with London. We're, we're talking to her. She's kicking. She's um, not really doing anything other than that because that's all she can do. But I told her, I said, we were so worried about what have we gotten ourselves into. How are we ever going to live life as parents of four? It's going to be so hard. We're not going to be able to survive it. But when we look at that child, all those concerns go away. And we're filled with happiness and joy that is overflowing. When God changes your picture, if you make it a habit of focusing on Christ instead of focusing on yourself, you'll look at that new picture that Christ is painting for your life and you'll go, okay, I get it. I can do this. I can overcome the challenges. It's going to be worth it. God knows what He's doing a lot better than I do because when I'm put in charge of something and I try to do things my way, they tend to, they tend to get messed up because I'm not the brightest guy in the world. But when I focus on God's way, not my selfishness, not my vainness, but when I focus on the picture of the cross and I allow that, I allow that to define every stroke in my own life that I make, then I will overcome. And I will be able to do great things in the kingdom. I'll find forgiveness. I'll find hope. I'll find grace. I'll find mercy. And I'll find salvation. I'll find the church family that loves me and that will see me through any difficult time in my life. And I will be able to be that to someone else. So what does your picture look like this morning? Have you been painting it and it's gotten messed up? Has God come in and said, no, we're going to take that little happy tree out and we're going to put a challenge there? If so, understand God isn't still in control. He's taking care of you and it's all going to be okay. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.